Welcome to yet another edition of Fans Eyed View, the footy podcast by fans for fans, presented to you by Sportsmates Footy Live, TLA, and Question Without Notice. Straight off the top this week, Nikki G. Yes. If you tipped nine last week, <laughs> are you really good at footy tipping or do you have no idea about football? No idea about football. Definitely. It was it was one of the most hardest weeks to tip, obviously. Um, unless, of course, you're the kiss of death and you get all the away teams. All the Is it the away teams or just the, uh, the non-favourite teams? Um, you wouldn't have had a very good time. So, yeah, it was a crazy week of football. And even then, you still wouldn't have got nine because uh, you wouldn't have got... Yeah, the Collingwood That's right. uh, tip there against North Melbourne. So yeah. very, very tough tip, even the kiss of death, not having any luck there. But that's not my actual uh, question without notice. My actual question without notice is obviously one of the biggest sporting events of the year happened last night. Yes. And that is the mid-season draft. Ryan Marrick, you're officially a West Coast player. You've got the jumper, or I should say, the polo on. <laughs> what does it mean? Oh, it means a lot. I've worked very, very hard to get in. Yeah, it's all happened very quickly. So, yeah, just... Off the back of a lot of hard work, I sort of dreamed about this for a while, but to finally get read out to, hasn't really felt real until now. So, yeah, very emotional. So, oh, I thought you were going to say state of origin. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone's been talking about. You know what we're not going to talk about on this show, Nick? Cool. We're not going to talk about how the AFL needs to bring back state of origin. Yeah, I like that. Because yeah. we do it every year. And it's never going to happen. And we haven't done it. Yeah. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just not how it works. Let's just get on with our lives. And we yep. will with the mid-season draft, which I know you're super excited about. You're lamenting the fact that you've been on the bottom of the ladder all year. Yes. And when it matters, you get pick three. Yep. Mighty uh, Hawks. Did you watch the draft? Are you excited about your pick? Uh, Talk us through it. Yeah. No, I, I obviously uh, supporting Hawthorne. I, I'm starting to get uh, very interested in the draft I have for the last couple of years. But uh, uh, I did watch it and I, I can't say um, – I mean – Judging by who we picked up, uh, they seem to be two long-term prospect players, project players, if you will. So, I mean, not not too much to get excited about in, in, in terms of the short term, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was. I don't think the draft was as strong as previous years. So, um, obviously, West Coast pick um, picking up the uh, number one pick. He, he probably seems like the the best player of the lot of, of the crop. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how these players perform. I, I do like the idea of the mid season draft and um, players getting an opportunity or a second or third chance. So. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how these plays go, including Ryan Marriage. So uh, hopefully they can make a name for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So it does raise the question, though, there's been no real standout players there. You said Marriage, obviously. Yeah. Robert Hansen Jr. had picked two. Yeah. Um, you know, all mm. fine players, they'll, they'll go on and have a career of some description, but nothing that's going to fix anyone's... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Seasons, if your season's in disarray, that's right. Yeah. Do we need to introduce the trade period? Like, is it, or is there just something special about the AFL and being like, you start the season with your allocated roster, and if you all just get ACLs, well, then that's on you. Like, do you, mm. or should we go down the NBA route where it's like, oh, you know, it's eight weeks out from the playoffs, and we still don't have a shooting guard, we better go get one. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't be against a trade a trade period mid-season, um, but I wouldn't bring it in to re- replace the draft because if you're doing that, then these guys don't get that second opportunity um, and I think that would be unfair on them. So 
if, if there's a possibility or, or a way to integrate both of them into the mid-season, then I'll, again, I'll be all for it because I think clubs will benefit, players will benefit. Um, that's how you strengthen talent pools is by giving opportunity to, opportunity to players. And if players aren't getting an opportunity at one club, then why not uh, give them you know that lifeline at another club? Uh, and who knows what could happen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, hats off to everyone who got selected at the mid-season draft. And, uh, yes, may they have very fruitful careers. Now, that's all the positivity out of the way because we're about to embark on the midway part of the season yes. coming into the buy rounds. Yep. So the big question is have you brought your red pen to the table? I have. Well, yeah. I'll, let's go through them. I reckon there's validation at this point of the season to go through the uh, seven major games from last week and just talk about the results and the teams that lost and what it means for their seasons going forward. Mm-hmm. And so we'll start with the big news item of all week. The Blues have been blowing up Talkback Radio, yes. uh, lamenting about their, their team, lamenting about the fact that their yep. skipper has more more courage on Instagram than he does on the football field. <laughs> that came from Friday night's game. Uh, Sydney Swans 77, defeat the Carlton Blues 51. Have you put the red pen through Carlton in, and what does that mean by putting the red pen through them? Well, I mean, it, it, are you talking premiership? Hopes, yeah. yeah then you know, certainly, you can, you can you can sharpen the pen however you want in this. Situation. Well, yeah, I think the premiership is certainly gone for the Blues, um, but prob- probably top eight as well. Obviously, not mathematically out of the race, but just the way they're playing. Um, they, they've got some serious issues in their in their game style, not just you know their inaccuracy by foot and in front of goal, but um, they just seem uh, so low in confidence. It, it's almost hard to see how they're going to get that back. They're already sitting a game and a half outside of the top eight, and um, they're losing games they should be winning. Last week was one of them. We, we I did say. Um, on last week's podcast, they have to beat Sydney. They they went into that game as favourites. Sydney had no key position players at either end except for Lance Franklin, but um, Mackay, Kerno, they just they just couldn't really uh, take advantage of um, Sydney's Sydney's lack of key position plays in that back half. So certainly a, a really bad loss there for Carlton. I, I do think they could certainly come out and win this week. Um, I'm not sure. We'll probably get to that in a moment, that game against Melbourne on Friday night. But, um, yeah, I'm sure they'll respond. Krupp said they'll respond. He's looking forward to the game, obviously. So... Seems like a, a game they could get up and win, but yeah, seeing them make finals, it almost seems like a long shot now for them. Absolutely, and if that's a long shot, if they don't make finals, do they need to blow it up? So this is what yeah. this is, seems to be what Carlton fans want when they don't yeah. get success, and success for them, I suppose, is finals for now. But really, they want premierships, so they'd be contending for premierships. Yeah, they seem to want to blow everything up and go back to square one. Mm. Is does the Voss have the backing of the fans? Are the fans, do you think they're going to be happy with just funnels? What's the pass mark to, you know, satiate the needs of a, of a rabid blues outfit? The, the pass mark was make finals. In fact, I, I, I'd argue that the pass mark at the start of the season was winning a final at least, probably even making top four based on their, uh, their current, where their list stands at the moment. But given the fact that, you know, they're, they're best six players uh, are all tied to long-term contracts there's not really much they can do except just 
keep, you know, keep striving for finals. They're still in that window um, on paper. So I don't. I'm not sure if if Michael Voss survives the year. Uh, is there next year if they don't make finals by the end of 2023? Um, to be brutally honest, that was their pass mark, and um, yeah, I, I can't see how he survives. The other big question mark has been around goal kicking, and in particular, Harry Mackay. Yeah. The previous Harry Mackay was a guy called Levi Casbolt, mm. and when he left Carlton. He kind of got better at football again. <laughs> Does the Carlton environment obviously stifle goal kickers? Do we think that there's the pressure of having to be the be the person? Yeah. You know, Casbot, uh, not or Casbot as well, probably, but uh, Mackay and Kerno have won common medals. Yeah. They, they clearly know how to be good footballers. That's right. Yeah. Why is it now this year that suddenly a player with all the talent in the world suddenly can't kick for goal? It's a million dollar question. Harry Mackay, as he said, Coleman medalist, you, you don't lose that ability overnight. Goal kicking, it's a mental thing, I think, more so than, you know, being good at it. I'm not going to be comparing him to Levi Casbolt. Obviously, Harry Mackay is a much better footballer and he, he's proven that he, you know, can be effective in front of goal. This is just a player that is very low in confidence and he can get that back. He's getting the opportunities, but he's just not taking them. Um, still, I still consider him a, a quality player. Um, but again, we, it, <laughs> with these with these key forwards, um, all it takes is maybe one week to have just, you know, five shots a goal and five goals just to flick that switch and hopefully his, his season can be turned around. So I'm not writing him off at all. And, um, uh, you know, you, you don't win Coleman medals by chance. So I'm sure he'll get it back eventually. Or he'll just swap places with Ben and let Ben take the flight for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe he's focusing too much on his defensive attributes as these two are, uh, or this one person uh, appears to be two different people. So, And yeah. he's actually gone out and had his own podcast, man, as well, called The Harry and Ben Show. And so even he's taken to <laughs> media now to prove that he is indeed two separate entities. Oh, there you go. We all know. It's actually one person. Yes. So absolutely. that's the first uh, red pen. That red pen through the blues for the finals mm-hmm. and for the premiership contention. One that I think you're going to enjoy way too much was the second upset of the week, 145 at Marvel Stadium. The Hawthorne Hawks, 88 points, defeated Big Bad Ross Lyon, Ross the Bosses, St. Kilda Saints, 78 points. A 10-point margin yep. there, but that spoke a lot more volumes to... The dire situation now facing the Saints. Or is this a case of the Hawks making a late charge for the finals? <laughs> well, I mean, they're not out of it technically, but no, I don't think I don't think we can make a case for finals just yet for the Hawks. But yeah, um, this was one of the most satisfying wins I've seen Gordo since maybe even the Premiership years, to be wow. quite honest. Just because oh, I, I was at the game and. Um, uh, obviously, the the crowd was ninety percent St Kilda supporters, and by the end of it, um, yeah, to, to be cheering on Cozzy and Luke Bruce kicking those last two goals of the game, uh, yeah, it was certainly one of the most satisfying moments as a Hawthorne supporter of recent memory. Great win, great performance. The Hawks were um, 
they, they they probably should have won by five or six goals. And I think even St. Kilda supporters would agree with that. They just simply outplayed St. Kilda. They were better in the ground. Certainly, they didn't look like a team on the rebuild. Um, they made the Saints look second rate. They just worked harder. And um, yeah, I'm not sure what you can put it down to for the Saints, but... Um, can't say I didn't see this coming either for St. Kilda. Gordon. Well, you say you don't know what to put it down to, but you've said all year that this game plan doesn't work. Well, yeah. So is that is that what was found out? You, did, did Sam Mitchell go in there and say, we just need to take these guys on, make them play fast football, make them try and yep. score on the rebound and, you know, pressure pressure them into trying to attack the scoreboard and not just hold possession and play rebound footy? Pretty much. Well, that's how that, that's what happened a few weeks ago when Saints lost to Adelaide. Adelaide played that fast brand of footy, that attacking style. Um, didn't really uh, play into St. Kilda's hands at all. Obviously, St. Kilda, if you're playing a slow game style and, you know, you, you're playing into their hands straight away. So, um, yeah, Hawthorne just set up extremely well behind the ball. They, they, they kept the ball in their hands. They dominated possession um, dominating inside 50s again if they took their chances they could have won this by a lot more but uh, yeah obviously they just kept banging on the door didn't give up and the, the floodgates eventually opened at, at the end as they piled on the last five goals of the game but um, yeah Gordon as I said the the St Kilda game plan <laughs> I think it's just it's just a very old-fashioned style of football worked for Ross Lyon at a decade, a decade ago, um, I said it doesn't really stack up in finals and um, perhaps there's still a few tweaks to be made for it to work in this day and age, um, yeah, during the season. So you were there at the game. The part that I found very confusing is at around about, you know, three-quarter time, just prior, just after, this game looks like a comfortable St Kilda win. And then all of a sudden, the wheels just fall off massively in the, in the last quarter. So, why, why, like, did, witnessing it live, did you feel that way? Or did yeah. you feel that Hawthorne was always in with the chance in the game? And the margin never got to too big. But, like, the, the way the game was trending throughout that third quarter, you'd say, oh, you know, Sinclair was going to just kick away here late. Yep. Hawthorne's going to be valiant, but, you know, not be around the mark. They're a rebuilding yep. team, a young team, so be it. Yeah, the, the third quarter was probably St Kilda's best of the game. Um, but like, as I said, I think Hawthorne, the the first half, they, they probably should have gone into halftime, the Hawks leading by five goals at least. Um, they were four goals, 10 to St Kilda's 5-4. And going into that third quarter, everything just seemed to be going right for St Kilda. Um, again, 11-4 they were at three-quarter time to Hawthorne, 7-14. So Hawthorne had the more scoring shots, but it just wasn't clicking uh, for them in front of goal. But as the fourth quarter started, you could see Hawthorne hadn't weren't, – they weren't giving up. They were, you know, creating more chances, um, banging down the door, asking St Kilda a lot of questions, and then – I said to my brother who I was with at the game, I'm like, eventually, if, you, if you're going to keep creating these opportunities, they're going to have to, you know, they'll convert them eventually. And that's exactly what happens uh, in the end. So, um, yeah, I think I, th- I think it was a well-deserved victory. Ross Lyons said that at the end of the game as well. The Saints didn't really deserve anything from that game. So, yeah, I, I, I did see it coming. I think it would have been very unjust if the Hawks didn't win that game. 
Yeah, fair enough as well. And you mentioned there that obviously uh, Ross the Boss said that they didn't deserve the win, they didn't get the win, he wasn't too surprised with it. Yeah. Does that mean that they're not actually playing the game style that he wants? Or is he the master of deflection and just taking responsibility for a loss that actually isn't his? Uh, a bit of both. I think he is the master of deflection, but uh, I think to an extent as well, they probably aren't executing his game plan as well as what they would have liked. Their, their transitional play, obviously we know what St. Kilda like to do. Flood the back line and, um, yeah, play it out from the back and play that slingshot footy. The Hawks, uh, the Hawks just... Obviously, we were able to stop that the way they set up behind the ball and um, the likes of Jack Sinclair, who dominated the week prior, didn't get the sort of space that he liked. The entries inside forward 50 for St. Kilda weren't fantastic. Um, Again, they're lucky they converted um, the chances they did because it could have been a bigger margin. But um, yeah, I I think they're they're certainly not the finished product, St. Kilda. They're sitting... uh, Last year, they were 5-1. Um, after six rounds, they were eight and three. The buys this year, they're seven and four. Very similar situation. Uh, they did finish with eleven wins last year, so I expect them to probably match that or surpass it. But I mean, what do you expect for them to make finals? Thirteen, thirteen wins. Can they get another six out of the last, you know, eleven games? It's going to be a fairly mighty challenge, I reckon especially if you're losing games to Hawthorne. Yes, last week is a bit of a mulligan, a bit of an anomaly. But like you said, it seems they're getting easier and easier to score against and it is that it's a very high-energy type uh, mentality required to play like that, which is why I think they start the season off so well. You get the momentum and then once you start, A, getting more injuries than what they had and already had a bunch of injuries to deal with and B, getting into that mid-season grind where you kind of want a game style that gives you a bit more protection from mistakes. Mm. Um, Yeah, this is not what they offer. And in terms of like, well, that's, what's their position like inside the eight? Their points scored for the year so far is 889. So yep. it's the second least. Only the dogs have fewer. And you'd say that the dogs really shouldn't be yep. uh, in the top eight either when they've got sides like the Dockers, the Cats, and the Swans, even the Suns, and of course mm. Carlton, all sitting outside. So there's five teams looking in at a couple of spots there, and then you'd think that definitely the, uh, the Saints are... Uh, are vulnerable, mm. and if you look at the odds for the Premiership from our friends at Sportsbet, they're out to fifty-one. So they're behind all those teams I mentioned: behind Fremantle, Geelong, yeah. uh, Sydney, um, and so just just above the Suns. So everyone's jumped off the bandwagon, yeah. but maybe that's where Ross Lyon just likes to be. That's it, uh, exactly right. But I still think they they need they need to be able to know how to score. Um, so if things aren't going their way, what's their plan B? Can they, you know? beat someone in a shootout obviously they couldn't last week but um yeah i think they they're a team that needs to add another string to their bow so they'll be an interesting watch for the rest of the season what was an interesting watch was the demons versus the dockers yes the brayshaw cup yes the battle for brotherly rivalries yeah and the luke jackson cup i've bought i've bought tickets yeah i bought tickets to the bandwagon I'm you back did on the say this a few weeks I'm ago. I'm back on the Freya bandwagon. You yeah. can only follow through on your demands, Nikki G. And that's what I said. I said, yeah. if you go out and you beat Melbourne, I'm back on. Yeah. I'll be riding you all the way to the finals. And I think that's what's going to happen. But again, your read on this situation, was it a great win by the Dockers? Was it a sloppy game by Melbourne? Or can both things be true? Both things can certainly be true. I'm not 
writing off the D's just yet. Obviously, the last few weeks, they've had a couple of hiccups. Uh, they were without Clayton Oliver on the weekend. Again, they missed... Uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they. I mean, they were the better side against Freo. I think Freo definitely deserved that game, even though Melbourne did uh, miss a few chances in front of goal. But yeah, it, it almost looks like Fremantle are just back to last year's form. They're starting to prove now that um, maybe the start of the season they had this year was just a bit of a, a slow start to the year, and it, I'm glad to see them. You know playing that style of football we, we saw from them last year that, you know, made them underdogs, made them really fun to watch. Um, and, yeah, I, I can definitely see the Dockers um, making finals this year. And they've really developed that game style. So we just lamented on St Kilda from being a team that, you know, wants to play this considered slow-paced football. Mm. But they're ranked 13th in the competition on uncontested possession differentials. So that's how well you control the outside ball movement. Yeah. Um, and so they're a team that wants to play slow, but they don't actually control much of the ball movement. Everything's in the opposition's favour. Fremantle are ranked first now. The differential's 232. Yeah. So they, they're really, really drilled and really developed that style of protect with the ball, defend with the ball. But they do so in a way that gets some territory, that gets some opportunities. They're still not great inside 50. They're not particularly amazing even defending inside 50s, but they're a bit more efficient. They're getting the ball inside 50 more often. Um and, yeah, and their ball movement is actually kind of exciting now when they choose to play and take the game on like they have for the last four weeks. And yeah. They didn't hit the 100-point barrier again, but they are playing much better opposition at the MCG as well. So you yeah. definitely take a win over Melbourne. That's Melbourne, it. however, look at their metrics, whether it's contested, uncontested, their inside 50 differential, or just their forward 50 or defensive 50 efficiencies. Mm-hmm. They're just bog average at everything. Yeah. They're not – they are really – quite an average side they've got no weaknesses which is why they're still in the top eight but can mm. you see them bouncing back or is this a side that just needs a refresh year and they'll have to go through the motions and, and come back and reload in a couple of seasons time no I, I don't think they need a refresh at all I still think they're you know one of the more dangerous teams in the competition yes they had an off week um, I think they're just one of those teams that just needs to get to the finals healthy um and that, there's, there's no need for them to peak at this time of the year. Um, again, a lot of things didn't go right for them last week. As I mentioned, they, they didn't have Oliver out there. Uh, the Ruck r- tandem didn't work as well with Gorn and Grundy. Luke Jackson, he, he, um, he, he obviously enjoyed a very good game against his old side. And um, I think Frio were just a hungrier team. Um, they, they won that midfield battle that Melbourne... Um, obviously are so good at and rely heavily on to play a good game of footy. Um, things just didn't go right for them. But as I said, like they, they don't need to be peaking at this time of year. Get to September with a healthy list um, and play your best footy then and they can beat anyone in the competition. So you say they can beat anyone in the competition, but they're yet to beat a top eight side this year. The current top eight. The current top so? eight. They are missing... Uh, have not yet to defeat anyone in the current top eight. So... Do you need to do that? Traditionally, that's a stat that we love to take into funnels. How well do you go against top eight sides? Yeah. Is list hells better, more important than that? Or should they be concerned that perhaps their style of football, mm. that midfield, ultra midfield line, especially with the two uh, ruck model, with mm. lots of game time in both rucks, and neither ruck really going forward, although, you know, Gorn is attempting to but not having too much success. Yeah. 
is there a concern that that style of football is no longer the most potent? Or as you said, do you just trust the model that's worked before and, and back it in? Yeah, um, I think it's it's got to be at least a, a bit concerning for them. Again, I don't think alarm bells are ringing so far. We have mentioned their away form this year. They did lose to Brisbane at the Gabba and um, Port Adelaide as well over in Adelaide. Um, They don't play too well when they have to travel. And that game against Freo last week also didn't work in their favour, I guess. But um, I think we're going to get a better read on them in in the weeks to come. So obviously Carlton, they're going to be... The, the Blues are going to be firing, I think, on Friday night. They're going to be hungry for that win. They want to respond. They've been in the media all week. So depending on how um, yeah, Melbourne deal with that and then obviously Collingwood the week later on the King's birthday leading up to their bye and then Geelong out of the bye at, at um, GMHBA Stadium. These next three games, um, that will give us a read on where Melbourne are at this season. But I take it both those teams have survived the red pen, Carl. For now. For now. For now. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of GMHBA or Cardinia Park, as I prefer to call it, (laughs) the Cats lost to the Giants again Mm. in Geelong. It's one of the anomalies of that situation. Usually a dominant side at their home ground. The Cats are vulnerable to be pounced on by the Giants. And when we say the Giants, we really just mean Toby Green. Yeah. So, again, we play the game of great win by the Giants or poor performance by the Cats. Are the Cats allowed to still be in a rut because of their massive injury list? Or are we thinking now that maybe, just maybe, they are, in fact, too old, too slow, too boring? I think we've we've seen the, the Cats peak, and that was last year. That was their season. They've, um, they won that premiership that's eluded them for so long, and now... Um, now the drop off, I think, was expected. I, I expected it at the start of the season, but the injuries certainly haven't helped their cause. The the players they're missing in midfield, Dangerfield, uh, Duncan, Cam Guthrie. Obviously, they've been without Joel Selwood this year due to his retirement. So it's four senior players they've been without, and that has left a massive hole in their midfield. The Giants weren't all great going into that that game last week uh hence why we didn't expect them to get the job done in geelong but that's probably where the giants won the game was the midfield their their tackling pressure was was at an all-time high certainly for uh in terms of their season i think it was their their best um and geelong's midfield just couldn't match it gws gave their forwards best look at the footy Toby Green obviously kicks four goals. I think Riccardi kicked three as well. So, uh, yeah, for me, the game was won in that midfield. And I think Geelong will be eager to get those those players that I mentioned back. I think Dangerfield might be a chance this week. But um, even even still, I mean, do, do we still see them as a premiership fancy? Probably not. I think they're just a little bit too far back now. And, you know, Western Bulldogs, they're going up against the Doggies this week, Gordo. It's not an easy game, especially on the rebound for the Western Bulldogs. So the Cats could be staring down the barrel of a, of a fourth straight defeat. Definitely could be. Uh, what annoys me more about this game is the Giants. Yeah, because they are capable of those performances. Yes, yes, they are heavily, heavily, heavily reliant on Toby Green and, in general, single singular players to do amazing things. But they have a list that's quite full of those type of players that can do amazing things. So they shouldn't be fourteenth. I'd be surprised if they stay fourteenth. Do I think they're going to play finals? There's so many teams now that are competing. You know, most years you say it's nine teams and one team misses out. This year it looks more like twelve that are around about the mark that are 
fairly even. Um, but yeah, just frustrating it again that this will be another lost season where they drop games that they shouldn't. They go away, yep. do something amazing, and they go back home this week and probably lose because that's just been the trend that they've had. So yep. very disappointing from them. The Red Pens through them, obviously, for making funnels. I'm I'm uh, I'm a person that likes to jump off the bandwagon last, and I've been riding that Geelong bandwagon for a very long time. Yeah, you you've been I'm loyal. Not, I'm not, uh, not ready, ready to uh, jump off just yet, but you'd be getting concerned. Yep. Um, their percentage is amazing, which will help them if it comes to a logger jam, however. So them bashing up on the teams when they need to bash up on teams helps them as much as everyone pays them out for it. When you play North, you should be kicking, you know, 200 points to make sure that if it's a t- tight finals race, you get through and they've done just that. You mentioned the Doggies. The Doggies went to Darwin and lost to the Gold Coast Suns. We, you brought your red pen. Yes. I want to get your green pen out. <laughs> Is this the year that the Suns play finals? They're a big chance. They are a massive chance. And I've liked their last month of footy, even though they haven't won, you know, the last four games or whatever. I've, I've really enjoyed what I've seen. Max King looks to be back to his best. Um, I think Lacocious, yeah, it was Lacocious who kicked five goals straight last week. Um, they've, they've got a player, I think they've really found a player in Bailey Humphrey, could very well be leading the rising star right now. And even without Took Miller in midfield, um, the likes of Matty Rowell and Noah Anderson have certainly taken that extra step. So... I really like. I really enjoy watching the Suns play footy. Um, they're an exciting team to watch. They're really good in the midfield. Uh, they they win clearances. They they can kick kick a big score. And I think, you know, they can they can win any game on their day. I think, especially when they're playing at home or um, at To Stadium where they were last week. And I think they're back there again uh, this week as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I think they they are a genuine top eight contender, but I just want to see a bit more from them. I want to see more wins like that. Obviously, they've beaten the likes of West Coast, North Melbourne, Richmond, Geelong teams. They should be winning this this season. Um, they got close against Melbourne and Frio, but yeah, that that win against the Bulldogs last week that was the big scub for for them and. Um, probably one they needed for their confidence. So I'm looking forward to seeing if they can back that up uh, this week against the Crows. So we have been a very hesitant against sides that seem to have only one style of play. Mm. So for St Kilda, it's that defensive slingshot model. For Melbourne, it's that midfield, um, you know, uh, dominance. For, for the Suns, it's very much like contested possessions. They just need to really dominate those situations to have you know, mm. to have the ability to win games. Yeah. Is that sustainable? Do they need to build out a more – ideally, ironically, you'd want to build in the Giants and the, and the Suns and blend them together. Then you have one of the best all-round teams in the competition. Yeah. But are they are they young enough to just keep bashing in each week or is it going to need, you know, some tweaking towards the back end of the season if they're going to avoid a burnout situation, which is what seems to happen? They seem to be yeah. quite good at contested possessions in this – ultra physical style of football and each year fade out towards the back half of the season yeah you're right like how many times have we um, bought into the Suns and they've ultimately let us down in the years gone by so um, to avoid any of those late season burnouts uh, yeah I mean I guess a a plan B or um, I'm not sure what you really put it put the the last few burnouts they've had down to but um, 
yeah, certainly, certainly, I think their leaders will just need to be standing up at the at the pointy end of the season. Like I mentioned, the likes of Raul and Anderson, who, who seem to have taken the next step in their in their careers, they'll, they'll get Took Miller back. Ben King, if he stays fit, um, on paper, I think their list should be good enough to be making finals. So, yeah, it, it'll be on Stewie Jew and and those leaders to really get them over the line for that maiden, maiden finals appearance. But um, as we've been hearing in the media all week as well with uh, – uh, I think it was from Caro who reported it. She thinks seems to think that Damien Hardwick could be the next coach of Gold Coast as soon as next year. So uh, the cert, uh, the pressure will be on um, on Stewie Jew to get the job done. Yeah, and again, not the not the worst case scenario. We've seen it a lot where you know a change and a and a good coach can make the world a difference. And it's not really to say that the previous coach was poor, mm. but more just you know they need to freshen up in a new idea. As we said before, though, only one coach has ever changed clubs after winning a premiership to do it again. So it'd be very, very interesting to see if they do go down that route mm. and uh, if indeed they can break that curse. Back on the red pens now. Yep. Doggies. Is your line through them or they just, is this just a classic <laughs> topsy-turvy doggy season? Yep. Since round five, they had a fairly disappointing loss to support Adelaide. Yeah. Ultra convincing wins against Freo and uh, Hawthorne. We think, oh, there you go, two in a row, 100 points each time. You beauty. They uh, they get the game away on the Giants as well. So there's three in a row. They take on the Blues, absolutely beautiful. Knock off Adelaide. Suddenly they're five in a row. They're flying high. And then they drop this game to the Suns. Mm. Just a blip. Suns played really well. Nothing to worry about. Or is it just another mentality where the dogs seem to be, once they have safety and security, they seem to just drop off a little bit in their intensity? Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely a little a mental blip from the Bulldogs. I think they probably went into this game with a little too much confidence. Um, and I think, yeah, they, they were just beating around the ball, especially in an area that they're usually so strong in. Um, it, it's not it's not often we see the likes of Bont and Liberatore and McRae get, get beaten in the midfield. And um, I think I think the biggest thing for, for the Dogs, their, their biggest weakness was... Um, how wasteful they were going forward despite the tall forward line that they have and you know the potency they have up there they they just simply just don't take enough marks inside forward 50 i think they're ranked um i think they're ranked 16th in that category actually so not really what you'd expect from from the personnel that they've got down there um again not sure whether you put that down to maybe the service they're getting or you know the the, the actual you know personnel of the forward line but um yeah i i think it's probably a mixture of both and that that also comes down to the midfield so they were, they were beaten pretty well in that area of the ground last week but i'm putting it down to a blip they they did put together a good month of footy prior to last week so i'm expecting them to bounce back this week so the green pen is out they're saying they're going to play funnels are they a premiership contender they're ranked 13th for their inside 50 efficiency and, and power they are basically a more exciting version of st Kilda, in my humble opinion where they don't they don't have a forward line yeah they continue not to have a forward line yeah and like yes they have kicked you know around about 100 points a couple of times in the last month but Nothing that's too convincing and nothing that's not outside of just a couple of players standing up and, and going big, despite this investment in, in tall timber up front. Do they have the forward line to kick goals in funnels? Again, on paper, you, you'd have to say yes. Aaron Norton, Ugal Hagen, um, Rory Lobb, yes, they should have the personnel um, 
Cody Waitman. That that's a it's a decent forward line. I, for some reason, I think the mix maybe maybe they're too tall. Maybe there's not enough forward pressure up there. Um, the, the balance doesn't seem to be quite right. Again, I think they'll you know the run they went on in in the last month or so probably puts them in good stead to make finals. I think they'll win enough games over the course of the season. The games at Marvel Stadium, like this week when they face Geelong, they'll pro- probably win those games. Um, but Josh, can you can you put them down for a premiership? Do you really see this Bulldogs team winning a premiership? I don't think so. Yeah, I think the line is still through it, but maybe it's a, like a fine red pencil that you can yep. rub out and change the colour yep. of yep. later in the season if you want to. And the final team, the final game we'll discuss, Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, 440, the game that rounded out the round. Yes. A bit of a lull there for Saturday night and Sunday morning. Uh, but it got nice and warm. Adelaide won by 17 points, 95 to 78. Is this yet another concern for the Lions when they get flying high and then they get brought back down to reality? Or are you buying up all that stock that you sold in the Adelaide Crows, who are now seventh and, uh, you know, with the fourth best attacking numbers in the competition currently? I did tip the Crows in this one, um, if I recall correctly. This is uh, some games. There's some games out there, Gordo, where you just don't look at stats. You look at you look at previous record. When the Crows play at home, they're deadly. For for one reason or another, they they kick high scores. They play with more fluency, um, and they pile on the pressure on their opposition. Brisbane, on the other hand, um, when they play away from home, they they too are just a completely different outfit compared to playing at the Gabba. Again, for one reason or another, they just can't get it to click. And this has been an issue for Brisbane for years. Ever since they started making finals back in what, like 2018, I think it was, um, they've gone out in in straight sets in finals when they've played away from home, they can't win. Um, I, I remember Hawthorne even beating them down in Launceston for a couple of years in a row. They, they just don't win games on the road and this is something they have to get past if they want to be um, if they want to be considered genuine premiership contenders you have to be able to win games in Melbourne you have to be able to win finals if you if you have to play port in a you know in a prelim over in Adelaide you, you have to be able to you know have that confidence in the team to win games on the road and they just look like a completely different side when they do travel travel so um very typical typical game from Brisbane. I'm I'm not putting the red pen through them just yet. Obviously, they're still a very good side, but this is this is a serious mental hurdle that they need to overcome. It's yeah, and it, there's no other. There's no. It has to be that. Often, yeah. I don't like that. It's a very fans' eye view take. Like, like just not very good away from home. Yeah. But that is what it's true. Like they just aren't very good away from home. So. Hard to explain that situation there. Yeah. On the other side, go back to that green pen. Are you buying into Adelaide? They are the number one most potent forward line in the competition. 47% of their inside 50s turn into scoring shots. If you allow them to have enough you know, ball, enough contested yeah. possessions, get enough clearances, they can kick a score mountain blight style or just pile it on and you have to keep up. Is that going to work against, you know, the, the Port Adelaide's, the Collingwood's, the, those two probably are the, are the major two? Yeah. Come September. Well, 
much like Brisbane, uh, I think Adelaide at the moment, they're not they're far from the finished product, the Crows, but they seem to be a different team playing at home compared to away. I think when they're playing away from home, they average 30 less points than they do at home. Uh, I think they've lost 10 of their last 14 on the road as well. Um, so, it, again, that, that's a hurdle the Crows need to overcome. Obviously, they're in a different situation to the Lions. But, I mean, where do the Crows sit now? They're, they're six wins from 11. Uh, again, we, we probably... Mate, is probably 12 or 13 wins gets you finals. Do they have another six, seven wins in them in the last 12 weeks? Um, depends how, how many of those they are playing at home. But um, if they do play at home, they're, they're, they will be a dangerous side because they know how to score goals. It's not like they're relying on uh, their defense to hold up. It's not like they're relying on nullifying the opposition. If they play that game style that scores them so many points. And like you said, they have the probably the most potent attack in the competition and Rankin and um, Rankin was awesome on the weekends and their tall forwards as well. That, that could be a very hard team to stop. Absolutely. Don't want to be playing the Crows at the Adelaide Oval come September. Let's get into our fans. I preview for round 12, which is brought to you by a sports bet. Mm. And as always, we have our rankings of must-watch games, uh, the important but average, and of course, the tip and forgets. No important but average games this week with the shortened fixtures. We've just got must-watches and tip and forgets. The first one, Friday night, it's uh, it's Talkback. The Talkback Cup, Melbourne versus Carlton at the MCG. And uh, as per usual, Carlton have been filling up the back pages, a couple of the front pages and all the airways. Yep. We've, we've put the line through them. Can they make us look silly and take on the Ds? Or, you know, is that the MCG? It's a home game for Melbourne. Is this where they kind of restart their season, round mm. 12, and just say, look, we're going to have to start putting in performances that you know, give us the credentials to be seen as a top four side? I think it'll be very unlike the Ds if they don't bounce back this week. But on the other hand, Carlton, as we mentioned, with the whole Paddy Cripps thing on the weekend, it seemed like Caroline Wilson and the, uh, the footy classified crew poked a bear he was not happy he said he was looking forward to friday night and that that can be a big factor in just changing a team's fortunes they're going to come out absolutely firing i think the blues and it's going to be a challenge for melbourne to to overcome that i'm really looking forward to this contest um obviously carlton have had their issues in front of goal and their accuracy by foot creating opportunities and obviously converting those opportunities so um like i said that can change on any given week i think a lot of their issues has to stem from confidence but um yeah melbourne on the other hand i think they've won their last seven games against carlton um but albeit I think three of their last four wins have come by under six points. So this could be a really close game again. Um, I'm expecting it to be a, a really good game of footy. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. But I, I expect, you know, again, on paper, the Ds should be winning. Oh, on paper, on the moon, every which way you want to cut up, the Ds are a far better side than Carlton. I think, and again, the Carlton Football Club has overrated itself. Yes, they have some great players. Like that players capable of Brownlow and Cripps, mm-hmm. Coleman medalists. So does every other club, really, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Like every club has three or four good players. Mm-hmm. They, 
if you look at just the raw, if it's a win-loss industry, like Bucks likes to say, since round 13 last year, the Blues have won it eight times. Yeah. That's just not good. They are clearly on paper not that good. They've only averaged 75 points in their last 12 matches at home. Um, and most of all, they haven't beaten a top eight side so far this season. One of the four teams we had to win against the top eight side. Even mm. Hawthorne beats the top eight side now. So, like, mm. there's, there is no reason for the Blues to enter this with confidence. And to top everything off, so everyone says it's the bounce back week. They're being the media being copped. Well, Cripps is saying, I'm trying my hardest anyway. Yeah. So if he's trying his hardest, we should take him on his word. There ain't that much room for improvement. Yes. There's no room to bounce back. Yes. This is just what the Blues have got. I know. They ain't that good. Yes. I'm just a massive believer of those pre-game hypes where, you know, a coach might stick a, an article from the paper on the whiteboard and just motivate a team. And Michael Voss could <laughs> wallpaper the entire change room with the amount of articles that have been written about the Blues in the last three years because they've yep. been never living up to potential. Yeah. And they will continue to do so. Uh, I've got Melbourne winning this in a canter. And uh, also for those that want to keep it tuned in after Melbourne's leading this one by 50 points at halftime, uh, our friends at Sportsbet have a same-game multi-special for the Friday night games of round 12. You place a three-leg same-game multi, and if one leg fails, you get your money back up to 50 bucks in bonus bets. Uh, only one refund per round. And uh, always prepare yourself to lose and therefore set a deposit limit for free and confidential support. Call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Uh, with all that aside, my same game multi in this one is I reckon someone will bounce back this game and that man is Max Gorn. Mm. He's going to start impacting. He's been a bit flat. He has. You know, we've had it, him by himself, him get injured, Gritty only by himself. So now I see him taking the mantle, being the number one and uh, he'll get 50 or more disposals. Tom McDonald is going to kick three. He could kick a bag. I yeah. actually think he's going to kick six, but we're only going to use Tom three McDonald's. There you go. That's uh, a comeback story. Tom McDonald has kicked three goals against Carlton in his last four appearances against them at the MCG. So he yeah. loves the MCG against the Blues and kicking a bag. And uh, I reckon the, well, uh, the Dons win this by 25 plus and they win the last quarter by four or more points because they had the best. Last quarter team in the competition, they've won 10 out of 11 last quarters. So roll that together, that's paying $15. Something mm-hmm. to keep you interested on Friday night. Another must-watch game is Saturday, primetime as well. Clear your schedules because all the good games are in primetime this week. It's the Dogs versus the Cats. It's at Marvel Stadium. Yeah. One at the G, one off to Marvel. And Geelong, they're still missing. Guthrie, Holmes, Duncan, Stanley and De Koning. Yeah. They all played in the Premiership last year. Yeah. Is it simply a case of it's not the Cats here? They're missing too many players. I, th- I think that's exactly spot on, Gordo. Um, again, this is a must-win game for both. Can we see Geelong w- losing four games in a row? Um, again, the Bulldogs had that loss against Gold Coast last week that we touched on, but um, yeah, both coming off unexpected losses, so which team's going to be hungrier? I think the Bulldogs are just going to be too strong for Geelong, particularly in midfield. I can't see the Dogs losing this one at Marvel. The midfield will just be too strong. McRae, Bont, uh, Liberatore against what Geelong's uh, depleted side. No, I've got this one down as a, as a Bulldogs win, and that will probably put... Uh, the official red line through the Cats. Which you'll be so sad to do. The big difference we've seen, uh, rounds one to nine, the Cats have conceded 44 points from uh, defensive 50 stoppages. Yeah. Uh, that's been increased to 64 points 
in the last two rounds as they continue to rack up uh, key personnel injuries. And that really does take away from the deficit of the, of the Bulldogs. They don't get marks inside 50, like you said. There's no cheap, easy kicks for them, which is kind of why I think that tall uh, forward line isn't working for them. If they can't find marks inside 50, there's no point playing so many talls. That being said, though, if the Cats don't have that defensive pressure on the ground, it makes it a bit easier um, for, for the Dogs to make their inside 50s count a bit more. So I think everything's shaping up in the, uh, the Dogs' favour. And uh, the Bonds in fantastic form, and who goes with him from the Cats? Like, yep. there's not many, many people left yep. with, uh, with an injury list that long. So, unless Jeremy Cameron comes out and uh, does it all himself, <laughs> which he can, he's done it before this he's, year. He's more than capable. More than capable, uh, and hats off to him. But uh, the sensible tick here is for the Doggies. Uh, another must-watch game is the Gold Coast Suns. Welcome to the must-watch football. We're going back to Darwin. Yep. Uh, the Adelaide Crows are heading up there Saturday night. Two, you're not going to need side-by-side television. You're going to head to the pub because these games are both must-watch. This is where we find out the Suns contenders or pretenders. This is where we find out if Adelaide are contenders or pretenders. Yep. You said Adelaide don't like to travel. They don't. They can't go much further than Darwin. No. Does this mean advantage Suns? It, it does, yeah. And obviously, I, I don't know if Gold Coast have stayed up there all week. Considering, you'd imagine so. Yeah, you'd think so. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm writing this one down as a Gold Coast win. We've or, obviously already spoken about both teams a little bit. Um, Gold Coast, their, their midfield, how Raul and Anderson have stood up, uh, their forwards as well. They seem to... The, the Ben King and Jack Lacocious connection seems to be working in t- tandem very well. So, um, the, yeah, the, this team's starting to gain a bit of chemistry um, and we're starting to see the benefits of that as well. Um, obviously, all coming together last week against the Bulldogs in a, in a much-deserved win. And then Adelaide, obviously, their attack and their midfield uh, is is elite on their day. Um, but that day doesn't seem to come when they travel. So um, 10, losing 10 of their last 14 on the road. Could have been 11. I think they only just got the win in Launceston a few weeks ago against Hawthorne. So they don't play their best footy when they travel. So um, obviously I'll be leaning towards Gold Coast in this one. And um, it, it'll be a big test for the Crows um, to overcome that that little travel hoodoo. Yeah, hard to disagree with you there. As you mentioned before, 29 fewer points interstate compared to in South Australia. Mm. That's a bit of advantage Gold Coast there. Um, and it is just about whether or not the Suns can back up that a contested football. So they've scored majority of their points from clearance of the third best team since round eight, scoring from clearances. Uh, and they've won the contested possession count by 10 per game in their defensive 50. So they're hungry for that ball in defense as well, just as much in attack. And that's ranked number one in the competition. So it's a hard way to win football. But, you know, Matt, Matt Rowell keeps on eating, eating grass and doing hard man things. I don't see why the Suns can't win back-to-back games up there in Darwin. And uh, now we'll move on to our tip and forget games. And uh, the first of those is Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne. Well, funny you say that, actually. You can sense an upset? I'm, well, I'm happy for you to talk me into it. I was I was listening to Sam Mitchell's press conference earlier today and he actually said if he was a fan, he'd be buying a ticket to this one. And he made a pretty good case for it because obviously Port Adelaide's midfield has been incredible to watch over the last two months. Uh, prob- probably one of the best midfields in the competition on form at the moment. And then obviously going up against Hawthorne who have proved to, proven to be in, in the last two weeks anyway, uh, 
a fun, a fun side to watch. They they like to attack more than they do defend. They don't kick the ball backwards or anything like that. Um, so, you know, two attacking sides going head-to-head, two very good midfields. I think the midfield for Hawthorne has been probably one of their strong points um, this this season as a whole. So seeing these two teams go, go head-to-head could be interesting. Hawthorne obviously won at the Adelaide Oval against Port last year by 11 goals. Um, in round two. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that sort of form continues. I, I doubt it will as <laughs> Port go into this game on a seven-game win streak, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Port obviously love to use that corridor. They're one of the most effective teams from scoring from their inside 50s. But, you know, Ken Hawthorne, compete with them in midfield, stop that corridor access and provide a contest for Port Adelaide. I'm actually really looking forward to this game, not just because I'm a Hawthorne supporter, but could be a fun fun little one to watch. It could be a fun little one to watch, but you've still considered the third most points in the competition. Yeah. You're still 16th in the ladder. Port mm. is by far, at this stage of the season, the best all-round team in the competition for mine. Yeah. I'd say better than Collingwood, mm-hmm. and that's an un- unpopular take. I sounded a bit like Kane Corns there, but yeah. in terms of, you know, how do you beat them if they're playing absolutely their best football? I don't know how you do that, and I don't know how you do that at home. Yeah. Since round four, they've only conceded 70 points per game. Like, they've only conceded 80 points once over the, over those rounds since round four. Like, they're just in fine, fine, fine form. And hold on, I've got to try hard. They're going to bring their, bring their best, but... And obviously with our James Sisley as well off the back of his 43 possession, 16 mark game last week, he's going to be a big hole. But um, yeah, obviously, you know, Port definitely expected to to get the win here, but hopefully it could be a a high scoring game from both sides. Fingers crossed for that. West Coast Eagles host Collingwood at Optus Stadium on the Saturday Twilight game and uh, no one was watching that. (laughs) Not even the West Coast fans and fair enough to them. Uh, They're going to get beaten by, I don't know, 3,000 points. I cannot see anything. I cannot see an upset there. No, no. 2018 grand final replay, five years down the track. It's really... It's crazy to see the contrast where these two teams are at right now. West Coast dead last, probably at the rock bottom um, in their in their club's history, uh, compared to Collingwood, who are probably at an all-time high um, in the last well this century anyway, even including their you know 2010 season. Um, by far one of the best teams to watch. So um, yeah, like there's. There's no hope for West Coast in this one, surely. No, none whatsoever. I've given up on that <laughs> angle. I, I, I made myself look silly with the Hawthorne uh, Eagles tip. <laughs> you did. Uh, they lost about 100 <laughs> points, so it could be something ridiculous there. Yeah. Eagles ranked 17th for, for, for pressure rating as well this year. It's not yeah. like, it's not, I just, I don't think it's that they're not trying. They just literally don't have the players to try. They just no. don't have the caliber. Again, injuries. Yeah. Required to keep up at the pace of AFL level. <laughs> So yep. It's a bit sad, and they're going to get absolutely smoked. <laughs> uh, the Giants are playing uh, Richmond at Giants Stadium in the early Sunday game. The post-Harbick era started with an honourable loss, and I think it goes downhill from there. Um, yep. The Giants are back home. They love playing at home. Toby Green's back in the team, and Richmond aren't that good. They aren't and, that good. And they're not very good when they travel to Giants Stadium either. Nope. I think they've lost their, their, the four games they have played there against GWS. 
Um, so it, it's not looking too good. And it, it, yes, it was an honourable loss last week to Port Adelaide, but um, the scoreline probably helped the Tigers a little, little bit as well. They got outscored. Uh, sorry, they got the, the inside 50 differential was uh, they, they were beaten in that category by 22 against Port Adelaide. So, uh, and you saw it in that last quarter a bit as well. Um, Port just controlled the footy and Richmond didn't really have an answer for them. They couldn't get the ball inside their own half. So um, they're sitting, what, fourth last at the moment, the Tigers. Yep. Two points above the Hawks. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, judging by the, the GWS performance last week in Geelong, uh, it's hard to see them lose this one. Yeah, I don't know. They just can't score. Mm. They can't, not only can they can't score, the Richmond Tigers can't even kick it inside 50. Like they, yep. As you said, they lost the inside 50 count by 22, but you know they've retained possession from 42% of the kicks inside 40 to 50, which is ranked second last in the competition, obviously, and no one is bad as West Coast, so that's the only team they're better than. Um, they do seem to be missing yeah. Tom Lynch that, uh, more than what I expected anyway. I suppose just structurally they just don't have yeah. anyone. They don't have an easy kick, and I suppose... Well, there's, a, there's a fair few players despite Tim Taranto's amazing game last week apparently um, that means that you know there's no try, easy chop out kick to Tom Lynch anymore which is um, what is required a lot of the time for the Tigers going forward so yep. uh, that won't be there Giants should win that one very comfortably and speaking of comfortable victories uh, Essendon takes on North Melbourne Brad Scott gets to go up and beat on North Melbourne how many, yep. how many points has Essendon put on North Melbourne <sighs> yeah uh, I don't know I don't <laughs> I'm expecting an Essendon win by about, what, 30, 40 points. Um, not expecting too much from North Melbourne, but, God, I, I just love North just to come out and win a game like this. Beat a top top eight side or a team just out the top eight. Show your supporters something. They, they're two wins this year. They've lost their last nine bloody games, Gordon. Um, they obviously had won just the two games last year. They won four the year before that, and I think three before the year that. I mean, how long... Can this go on for before we before we actually see something from them? Um, yeah, I mean, how long are we are they allowed to continue this sort of form for as well? I mean, that should be a question. I, I don't think they cop enough media criticism really in, in terms like, of the way they the, play. What's the point? It's like there's no expectation either, though. Yeah, it's just a really bad football club. They are, but like you can't just let a team win a wooden spoon for three or four years in, in a row. So we're shipping them off? We're ripping up their licence? Yeah, send them off to, you know, oh, we can't say Tassie anymore, but well, we maybe... Can. We, can, we can say, <laughs> oh, you know how we're going to have that really annoying buy? Yeah. No, no buy. Buy buy yeah. North instead. Yes, and, uh, and that's another thing. They, they struggle to fill their stadium as well for their home games. Obviously, Collingwood last week let, let them off the hook, but um, usually the, you, when you're watching a North Melbourne home game, the, the top level is closed, so get, fans aren't going to their games. Um, I think they've got the lowest membership base in terms of all Victorian teams, so things aren't looking great for North, but, God, you know... One thing that could certainly help is, you know, a win against the odds, similar to what the Hawks did last week to St Kilda. So I hope for their sake this is this is the week against the Bombers. Um, obviously, they've got a little bit of a rivalry there. But, yeah, I think the Dons should get up by about five goals. Yeah, if, if not more. If yeah. not, plenty, plenty more.
Speaking of teams that win by plenty, it's time for desktop decisions. Every week we talk to this officer's best super coach. I think that's statistically still true. Uh, time to check in with your results from last week as well as uh, your current overall ranking and what you'll be doing to your side and what everyone else should be doing to their side yeah. ahead of round 12, Zach. I, I did have a slightly off week last week. I scored just the 2,241, which is around about my average, but... Um, it was it was a lot less than what some other super coaches scored last week, obviously because I made the decision to hold Oliver. He was highly traded after it was um, announced that he might miss up to four weeks, um, but now he could make an early return this week, so that might uh, benefit me in the in the long in the long run having Oliver as a point of difference in my side. But yeah, I dropped down to three thousand two hundred in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about 1,500 uh, fall. But yeah, in terms of this week, uh, I'll be making three trades as we start to enter the buy period. So a crucial, crucial time if you um, if you need to make up a few spots um, in the rankings, this is the time to do it in the buy. It's time to get um, those big plays in. And I'm looking at Jack McRae as he made that, uh, as he became, recently became a dual position player, so you can pick him up in your forward line, and that will be a very handy one as he's just about uh, to, to hit form, I think. He's had a couple of good weeks in a row, so he's one that I'll be looking at bringing in this week. Excellent, and we look forward to your continued success during the bye round. That brings us to Hopefully. the end of our fans' eye view for round 12. Hopefully your team survived the red pen, but if you don't agree with our um, you know, crossing off of the lists of your club, let us know via uh, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, um, or just jump in the app and uh, you know, let us know through the support networks there as well. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our friends over at Sportsbet, and uh, as always, we hope your team wins unless they're playing our team, and this week I say, go the ruse. <laughs> go the ruse. <laughs>